<laughs> okay, we are live. Let me introduce this this episode of the Groovy Podcast by saying the normal good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to a special edition of the Groovy Podcast. In this particular case, we are we I am talking to Dan Woods, a Dan Veloper of Twitter fame about all things reactive, especially concerning uh, Rat Pack and the Grails 3 release and the upcoming Spring Framework uh, release version 5, which will have reactive uh, services inside it and as well as other capabilities. Uh, my name's Ken Cousin. I'm podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut. And let me introduce Dan. Hey. Go ahead and say hi. <laughs> hi, Dan Woods. I'm broadcasting from Buffalo, New York at the moment. Yeah, you're these days you're really moving around a lot, right? Are you still in the van and you are I mean, I can't help but go to the whole pulp fiction wandering the earth situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're moving around quite a bit. Uh we're on a uh basically a year long road trip. We're just trying to see as, as much of the country as we can and take our kids with us to you know, as many national parks as we can get to and, and cool spots. So we're at uh, Niagara Falls right now. Um, it's, it's been really great. It's awesome. That's, that's amazing. Uh, so then you are going everywhere. Where are you headed next? Um, we are headed down to uh, the New York City area. Uh, we're actually going to be in your neck of the woods for a little while. Um, we're going to be staying in Connecticut, uh, just north of New Haven. Oh. Yep. And then we're, we're headed down to Florida for the winter. That's a good idea. You'll be a snowboarder, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you have to let me know when you hope to be in the area because there's, I don't know, probably one in five chance I'll be in the area too. You never yeah, know. True. True. Yeah. Have to we'll, take a look. We'll, at we'll, yeah, we'll probably be able to catch up. We're going to be there for a while. Oh, great. Well, that would be wonderful. Um, I want to get started, but I want to start, first of all, on some actual background, because I, I don't like to just jump right into the technical stuff. Uh, there are, as strange as it may seem, probably some people out there who are not familiar with you. Uh, seems very unlikely. <laughs> uh, so let me at least say that, that Dan, or Dan Veloper, is, uh, I suppose the best term would be infamous in the groovy <laughs> world, as a person who speaks the truth to power, who is willing to uh, take controversial positions, partly to learn something and partly just to mix things up. Uh, but your biggest uh, notable achievement, and now you can list it as an achievement, is that you are the author of the O'Reilly book, Learning Rat Pack. That's right. Which, uh, how's that doing anyway? Yep. How's the book uh, selling? Have you heard anything? Um, yeah, I, I periodically uh, check the figures um, just to kind of see where things are at. Um, it's it's selling pretty well, um, not quite as well as your book did, <laughs> based yeah. off of the numbers that you told me. Uh, but yeah, there's there's been a there's been a, a notable amount of interest and um, uh, both both really really good sales in both print and digital, which uh, which I I thought was really great. People are People are actually picking up the print copy too. Well, I figured you'd be able to check. Originally, I was thinking you'd be able to check because of the all those zeros that jumped into your bank account, you know. <laughs> uh, except for the fact that you are also well known for taking uh, some of the proceeds and making sure they go to the Great Ladies Organization that supports uh, women in computing, specifically or in general, but also specifically in the groovy community. Yeah. Um, so, so my entire share of the book, basically all my royalties, um, go directly to great ladies, which is a phenomenal organization. Um, they, like you said, they, uh, support getting women into technology, um, and, and other underrepresented groups. They host workshops, they, uh, send, uh, folks to conferences who maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, and they, they're they're really fantastic. So I wanted to make sure that you know having having the first book on Rat Pack um, and with the amount of interest that we've had in Rat Pack that that was a platform that uh, 
you know, I'd, I'd be able to use for, for helping out the community and doing a little bit of good. Now, speaking of Rat Pack, uh, you're, a, you're a core committer on that project, is that correct? That's correct, yep. Uh, the project's currently being led by, is it Luke Daly? Yep. Who is uh, very well known in the Groovy community. He's also a major player in the Gradle ecosystem. Yep. Uh, I believe he, he works specifically for, again, I, I always want to say Gradleware, but it's Gradle Incorporated, right? Yeah. Uh, but there are many other people who are also involved uh, on the Rat Pack project. I know uh, Danny Young is one of them. Uh, there, you want to mention a couple others? Uh, yeah, Russ Hart, uh, uh, Marcin Erdman, uh, whose name I just ruin every time. I'm sorry, Marcin. Uh, that's not how you say his name, but I don't really know how to say it, so we're going to go with that. Um, yeah, who else do we have? Uh, David Carr, uh, John Engelman. Um, man, I'm I'm letting off a lot of people, and I'm I'm sorry about that. But we at at any given time we have eleven uh, active core committers. Well, if you forget somebody, we're going to be talking for a little while. Feel free to throw in another name as you go along. Sure, uh, that's fine. I by the way, I should mention uh, just in passing that uh, Danny and a few of the others, John Engelman, Craig Burke, a few others have a new podcast themselves, the uh, Fun Time Exception podcast. Right. And yep. you were on the, the second version of that, right? Yeah. Uh, that one's, uh, that podcast is a piece of work. Uh, I, I think <laughs> when I talk to Baruch about an actual news type groovy podcast, I'll be sure to put a link to that in the, in the show notes, even though it's not directly related to groovy, it's certainly uh, indirectly related. Yeah, uh, but I figured I'd at least mention it. I did get a chance to listen to the first couple of episodes, and it's, uh, shall we say, highly entertaining. <laughs> that's that's kind of the whole idea, uh, and and also the idea is, um, you know, that we'll we'll be able to touch on a broad range of subjects uh, and technologies, um, and you know, try to basically try to try to tap all of our individual ecosystems and respective areas to try to get um, you know more folks who have uh, of different subjects on um, so I think I think there'll be I think there'll be some pretty good ones going forward and and like you said it's a lot of fun I mean the the last the episode that I was on which was the last maybe the last one yeah uh, they, they might have done another one um, since then but we just talked and, and hung out for like two hours um, and uh, Michael was able to um, to actually get it down to like under an hour of of actual <laughs> content, uh, but it's just a fun time, you know. Uh, Michael, what's his last name again? I keep forgetting. Kasich. Say it again, please. M Michael Kasich. He's uh, at Womp Womp on Twitter. Ah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, I think he may be the only person who's appeared on who I don't actually know personally, so I want to make sure I get that correct. Sure. Uh, let's get back to Rat Pack, by the way. When did you become involved in that project? Uh, I became involved in Rat Pack in, um, it must have been late 2012, uh, early 2013, somewhere around there. Um, I, I think that's about right. Yeah, it's, it's been a number of years. Um, but I had run into, I, I had heard Luke uh, give a, pre a presentation at GreatConf about it. Um, I sat in for that and, uh, you know, Rat Pack's had a really interesting history. It's kind of evolved. It's gone through a number of maintainers. Uh, the focus has changed. Originally it was kind of um, set up to be like a Sinatra clone for the JVM and it was specific to Groovy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so there were a number of conference presentations about it from those really early days. Uh, and I, I had looked at it back then and I said, well, you know, that's a, that's a really neat idea. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, but you know, it, it was kind of a toy project for a while. Um, and then Luke got involved and, you know, kind of saw the opportunity, um, to tackle a, a much bigger space, which was, uh, having a really high throughput, uh, really high performance, very memory efficient, CPU efficient, um, web framework that would build on reactive programming principles and, you know, really uh, be able to take a lot of traffic from one instance uh, and then also put a really good programming model around it. So it had been a number, it had been a, probably a, a, a year or so since I had seen it. And then I saw Luke give a presentation at GreatConf about 
um, what it was and what he was going for. Uh, and so I, I just built up a, a little app um, and played around with it. And I talked to Luke about it at GreatConf. And, um, and then I started to try to build uh, WebSocket support into my app. And um, uh, there wasn't great support for WebSocket. So I, I had done some workarounds. And uh, we were at uh, GGX in London. Uh, and Luke was there. Um, and so I talked to him about the WebSocket support. And we kind of went back and forth. and you know, that was uh, around the time that uh, that he asked me to get involved with it. And I, so I wrote some code for the WebSocket stuff. And, and eventually, he made it a lot better, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, then that, that was around the time that he, he asked me to, um, to join the team. And uh, I've been doing that in, in my free time <laughs> ever since, pretty much. Well, the, the project seems to be getting more attention. I, I have noticed uh, certainly a pickup in interest regarding it. I did notice there was a Rat Pack presentation at the Java One conference last week, which uh, yep. that's certainly a milestone at any rate. Um, I don't remember who gave that offhand. Do you? Yeah, I think it was uh, Laurent from Couchbase. Right. I think that's how you say his name. I'm so bad with names. Um, but yeah, Couch Couchbase has been doing a lot. Uh, with um, you know, showing uh, Rat Pack as a reactive web framework, uh, and then having Couchbase uh, be the data store behind it, which also has reactive extensions um, in their uh, SDK. Um, so the two are the two are a really nice fit, um, and and they've they've done a lot of work putting out examples and showing you know use cases and stuff like that. So they're a, they're a very involved member. Um, also worth noting is uh, Heroku is also very involved. Um, they've done a lot of work showing, uh, you know, with with having their own build packs, having specific build packs for uh, identifying when you have a Rat Pack app and automatically configuring um, your your uh, cloud runtime around that. Hmm. Um, they've also done, I know, a lot of work getting uh, Rat Pack integrated with Kafka. Um, so they're they're really involved, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know, o over basically over the last two years or so, um, starting or, or I'm sorry, ending uh, last summer at the end of last summer, um, we had done a lot of work in Rat Pack to uh, really bring it up to snuff and to to really make it a production grade web framework uh, and make sure that we were addressing the problems that people were having and you know making sure that we were we were providing the most performance and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so when we went 1.0 last year, um, that was really our way of saying, like, yeah, it's it's been vetted. It's battle-tested now. It's it's a real production web framework. And since then, we've had um, four minor releases um, that are all, all compatible back to the 1.0.0. Um, but yeah, I mean, adoption has really picked up. We have a lot of people in our Slack um, if you go to ratpack.io, uh, there's a link to join our Slack. Um, yeah, it's really it's really come along nicely, and and a big part of that has also been uh, that because of the way that Ratpack handles dependency injection through the concept of a registry, uh, you can have any registry backing, right? And and that means that you can use Juice, you can use Spring, you can use your your custom in-house. Uh, DI framework, whatever you want, and and just access everything uh, through the API of the registry. And then we do other things in uh, Groovy applications that allow you to do um, like dependency injection using uh, uh, variable variable arguments to closures, for example. Um, so you never have to think about like you know doing doing an annotation or explicitly pulling it out of the registry, uh, anything like that. So one of the big things that that uh, we did with the help of some folks from Pivotal was uh, get Spring support into Rat Pack. Um, so Spring Boot developers who are who who like Spring and are are, are comfortable in that space and and want to leverage the the full Spring ecosystem can bring over their um, you know the the stuff that they already know how to do and really quickly get it integrated into a Rat Pack app. So you get all the all the benefits of the stuff that you like with Spring. And all the performance benefits and and the really nice APIs and DSLs um, that Rat Pack offers, uh, those two have a nice connection with each other. 
as I recall, you've got a whole chapter in your book on Rat Pack and string integration. Sorry, we, we should be clear on that. Uh, Rat Pack and Spring Boot. Spring Integration is a is a separate project. Oh, yes, <laughs> I didn't mean to say it that way. I knew what you meant. Right, right. <laughs> I'm putting integrating Spring, the Spring Framework and Rat Pack together. Very good. Yeah, I don't mean Spring Integration, right? Right. <laughs> Very good. And of course, Spring Boot is mostly a way just to bootstrap your project. It's not, I mean, you're still using the core of Spring under the hood. Yep. Uh, but now, one last thing before we dive into some of the technical details. Um, actually, two last things. One is, what's the current version? It's like 1.4. something. Is that right? I, I Man, I, I'd have to look. Uh, 1.4.2, I believe. Oh, that's easy enough. Uh, the other question, then, is basically you mentioned that the, the throughput is everything's been optimized to get the best possible uh, throughput that you can get. And I understand that, but uh, I, it's 1.4.2, by the way, was released on September 13th, so just a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yep. At any rate, I, I know you've given statistics in the past demonstrating how awesome this throughput could be. Do you happen to recall any of the numbers that you could just tease people with so that when we talk about the technology, they'll go, really? How do I get that kind of throughput out of it? Yeah. Um so I, I was very privileged to be a part of uh, Spring One this year, um, which was in Las Vegas and just an absolutely wonderful conference. Um, I really I really think that the, uh, the you know, it's always been a wonderful conference. This year, uh, Pivotal led it. Uh, prior to this year, it was No Fluff, uh, which you're a speaker on the No Fluff tour. Um, and I and I speak at a lot of no fluff uh, conferences as well. It's always been a really great uh, opportunity to learn about the Spring ecosystem, which is you know progressing so fast every year. Um, but so this year they invited me to talk about Rat Pack and Spring Boot together. Um, and the title of the talk was High Performance Microservices with Rat Pack and Spring Boot. Uh, and basically, out of that, I wanted to show um, I wanted to show how how perf how much performance you can get uh, out of a Rat Pack application that's using uh, Spring Boot and Spring APIs behind it. Uh, the numbers were really good. Um, I would have to look specifically, but I believe on my SlideShare, slideshare.net slash danveloper, I believe that I posted my slides. And in those slides, um, I have the numbers. But basically, we're talking about a, yeah, it's the, it's the very first one on there. Um, basically, we're talking about a single instance of Rat Pack um, using uh, Spring Boot as well uh, behind the scenes, but the but the real the real benefit is in Reactive's non-blocking I/O and its Reactive programming model um, because that gives you a lot of a lot of you know high throughput performance. Um, but for a single instance, I mean, we're actually talking to a database and um, and doing. Uh, you know, actual work behind the scenes. So, so I'm I'm saying much more than a than a um, much more than just a simple hello world. Uh, you know, we're in the ten, tens of thousands of requests per second um, for for a single instance running on these very small, uh, sometimes free tier uh, AWS instances. Um, so. Yeah, I mean the the performance numbers look really good. They look even better for uh, for a simple hello world, um, which uh, f from uh, the zero zero nine one three release, which is where I did the original test, we were able to get up around a million requests per second for for a hello world. Um, so yeah, I mean the performance is is something that we've been really focused on from the beginning. Uh, we we really want to make sure that you know because you're going to be running in the cloud probably today um, that we we want to make sure that that your application is able to properly utilize the resources that you have uh, available there and using something like Rat Pack means that you know ultimately you'll end up spending a lot less money um, because it, it it's able to maximize your capabilities right. Now, the slides that you mentioned have some uh, links inside them to the performance numbers, which apparently are in your GitHub account. Right. So I'll try to see if I can put some kind of link in the show notes regarding that, uh, assuming we have show notes for this particular show. But we'll, we'll do that. But regardless, uh, the, the slides that you mentioned are in the SlideShare account, and I see the performance numbers are linked inside the slides themselves. 
Now, the reason, part of the reason we're having this discussion at all is because late last week, during the Java One conference, as it turns out, there was an announcement by the Spring Framework people regarding Reactive, just regarding yep. their support for Reactive programming, for the Reactive streams, everything like that within Spring. And as sometimes occurs, this spawned a Twitter storm, I suppose would be the right term for it, uh, that you are heavily involved in, saying, you know, why are they basically reinventing the flat tire, right? When you reinvent the wheel and you get it wrong. Uh, why not just use Rat Pack? We've already worked everything out here. Why don't we just use that? And by the way, Grails has support as well. And what's interesting, of course, is that some of the core spring players got involved in that discussion and were very forthcoming and very helpful. And you immediately said, wow, that's great. I didn't know this, this, and this. And the discussion went back and forth and looked to be very, very useful. Yeah. Now, I have still got reactive and reactive streams and reactive programming in general on my list of things to learn, to dig into. I only know the, the terminology, some of the very basics. Uh, I was hoping that for those people who have heard about reactive but don't know much about it, if we could talk about how these things work and what they look like inside of Rat Pack and Grails and potentially uh, Spring 5 MDC, when yeah. they're going to have their reactive sure. uh, programming there. So can you give a little bit of an introduction there or uh, to pick one or the overall concepts and then we'll dive in? Yeah, um, so to to put, so th this, is, this actually is a, a pretty in-depth uh, conversation, um, so much so that an entire chapter of my, my book is is dedicated to talking about this. Um, right. But the basic, the basic idea is that with reactive programming, you're given constructs for uh, defining uh, the way that that data will flow, um, and uh, how your application is going to uh, be able to access uh, data at any particular time, um, and specifically, what these constructs help you with is working with asynchronous APIs. So, in a uh, traditional uh, non-blocking web application, um, and basically anybody who's written JavaScript will understand the idea of uh, an asynchronous API and what a traditional one looks like. So traditionally, you make some call, and then you also have to give the the method that you're calling a callback function uh, that'll be invoked when that data becomes available, right? Right. Because it's because it's it's uh, an asynchronous API. It's non-blocking under the hood. Uh, we have to wait for um, for that data for for something to signal us through an event uh, that that data is available. Uh, and then the data goes off to your callback function. Now, the big problem is with uh, data control flow in uh, in an asynchronous scenario. So you provide that callback, but if you need that uh, that data in the context of multiple asyn asynchronous calls or um, potentially uh, dealing with uh, a, a list of data in 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 a way that would be asynchronous where you would probably make many calls uh, or anything like that, then we get into this scenario that results in callback hell, right? Where you're nesting callbacks, asynchronous calls within callbacks and further down. Um, and, and it becomes really unwieldy, very hard to debug, very hard to manage, um, and, and just overall really difficult. So the whole idea with reactive programming is that you're given these, these, um, these functional constructs uh, where you can say, I'm gonna make a, uh, I'm gonna make a call uh, to some asynchronous uh, API to get some data, and then I'm going to stream that data through a, uh, basically through a pipeline um, that we're gonna be able to do additional processing on. Uh, and that processing could be manipulating the data, interpreting the data, uh, et cetera, uh, or potentially making other asynchronous calls. And then, that, you know, that data will, uh, will, will eventually be processed through the pipeline and then be available uh, at the end of the pipeline for you to, um, do additional processing with. So is that's that like that's, is that kind of like having an event bus on some of these things, or or is it more involved than that? Um, it it it's more involved. Uh, sorry, involved uh, in in the sense that you're you're working with uh, you're working with the data specifically, and then all of the eventing and all the asynchronous uh, aspects happen. Uh, behind the scenes, but reactive programming is a really nice abstraction for 
um, for synchronous programming, for asynchronous programming, etc. So you can basically using these reactive programming techniques, uh, you can have a synchronous call in the background that will inform your uh, reactive processing pipeline uh, when data becomes available. Likewise, so that can be a blocking call. That can be something like what you do today in servlets, right? But then when you're ready, you can change out whatever that implementation was to, uh, to be asynchronous, to be non-blocking, uh, and you don't have to change any of your, your user code um, that was doing any of the processing of that data. Um, furthermore, uh, reactive programming lets you work with uh, collections of data and sets of data um, in, in the way of a stream. So you can, have, you can have multiple model objects, for example, and you will stream those through the pipeline uh, and, and operate against them on an individual basis. Um, so you don't have to worry about, you know, looping through a list or, or anything like that. You can just send it into your uh, reactive stream. Uh, it'll do all the processing and then it'll come out. And, and this is very similar to folks who, um, folks who have some exposure to PubSub uh, type operations. Uh, this is very similar to that because in, in that scenario, you, your user code will construct this pipeline and then when you subscribe to it, it makes a request up the pipeline uh, asking all of these um, asking all of these producers uh, to to produce some data for your subscription to be able to process, and, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what it's all about. Now, the the benefit to this is that uh, basically in in a framework like Ratpack, there's an event loop, uh, and the event loop is what is responsible for uh, for so, so it's Netty under the covers. Netty has an event loop and, and, and an event loop group, and this is what's responsible for uh, handling the eventing of, uh, of non-blocking uh, networking activity to its asynchronous APIs. Now, Ratpack on top of that event loop uh, gets that data and then it throws it into uh, a, a reactive uh, processing uh, pipeline, throws it down your handler chain, and then inside of that, uh, you, can, you can work with that data in, in a reactive way where when you're done doing any of your asynchronous work, um, then that that uh, that pipeline completes, and you can respond uh, to the um, to the request, and that also goes back into the event loop as an event, and then it it goes back out. And this allows us to handle uh, a lot of uh, a lot of asynchronous events uh, in a in a very fast way. So when you talk about reactive programming, there's concepts, and then there are various APIs that implement them. The one that I think most people have heard of these days is is Rx Java. For right. example, now do you yep. does does Ratpack use RxJava natively? Do you use your own implementation of the concepts? Uh, I I assume you can use either. Yeah, uh, Ratpack has support for three different uh, reactive uh, programming types. Uh, the the first one is Ratpack has its own implementation, um, and this is the the Promise API um, ah. that it has available, and this this you know has support for um, some. Some of the uh, more common uh, um, reactive constructs and, and functional programming constructs as well, uh, like mapping data, flat mapping, other promises, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it has support for that. We also have support for, uh, for RxJava, and we have a native translation layer from our promise type over to RxJava's observable types. Uh, and then the third one that we support is a, a, an implementation of the Reactive Streams API. So Reactive Streams is basically a standardization around all of these reactive uh, concepts, right? So uh, all the fixtures for being able to set up a stream of data, being able to work with uh, data and, and asynchronous APIs uh, in a reactive way. Um, so we implement uh, the Reactive Streams uh, API in Ratpack. Um, so then you're working with data in, in, the, in the construct of a publisher, a subscriber, um, a transformer, et cetera, et cetera. Now that's the one, if I recall correctly, that's the one that the Spring people are talking about incorporating into Spring 5. It was just a, an implementation of reactive streams? Yeah, and, and that comes to them by way of uh, Project Reactor. Um, Reactor is, is another um, uh, reactive programming library. And uh, very far along, really excellent uh, uh, library to work with. 
Um, it's built around the uh, LMAX disruptor. It's an implementation of that uh, way of doing things for, um, for eventing. Um, but Reactor has a native translation layer between its, its reactive programming constructs, which are Flux and Mono, uh, to the reactive streams publisher and subscriber. That, that, becomes, that becomes pretty important uh, when, we're talking about, um, when we're talking about Spring and Ratpack integration because Ratpack has the ability to transform from a publisher into a promise type, which is its native way of doing this. Uh, it, also, it, it also will probably allow us to bridge uh, the reactor flux and monotypes to a Ratpack promise by way of a reactive streams publisher and subscriber. So they'll be bridges from all these different APIs to each other, right? Uh, as you were saying, and, and then so Ratpack uses the the Promise API natively, right? But they can also translate from the Promise API to or or the other way from uh, RX Java or the Reactive Streams. Yep, exactly. Um, now, when when Spring, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, one one thing to point out is well, there there's two things that I just wanted to point out. Um, one of them is. Um, that'll be totally relevant to this podcast is uh, that as part of our Groovy support in um, in Ratpack, we publish Groovy extensions um, for the promise type for RxJava observables for uh, Reactive Streams publishers. So if you have a promise, basically what this allows us to do is if you have a promise and you also have RxJava um, th th that support in your project, you can just do promise.observe and it'll it'll translate that into uh, into an RxJava observable, and likewise on the um, on the uh, uh, reactive stream side of things, you can do, uh, for example, uh, dot publish, and that'll turn it into a publisher. Um, so that's that's kind of a neat thing. We're we're making use of uh, of the the language's uh, mechanism for for adding methods um, onto uh, onto different types, which is really cool. Um, so the, the second thing I want to talk about is that we're in, in all of these different reactive programming libraries, it's, it, it's all, it's all a, a really good way to abstract the way that you're working with um, the, the data and, and how you're getting that data, right? So I talked about you can have the, the implementation be something synchronous, something blocking, right? And, and it'll return that to your, to your uh, reactive pipeline for processing. Um, but behind the scenes is still synchronous. It's not using non-blocking I/O. It's not uh, asynchronous, anything like that. Um, but then, when you want to, you can very easily trade that out for for an asynchronous uh, processing flow. Um, that that works that works very well, and that's that's really great. But it's still there's still a problem in asynchronous web applications in the sense that uh, in the sense that you 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 don't get a lot of uh, determinism in in the way that your your data is going to be requested and the way that the data is going to become available to your application uh, at any given time, um, which is something that you really need. You need determinism when you're doing uh, any kind of processing for a web application because the request came in. You need to get the data. You need to know that the data is available at a specific time, available in a certain form uh, at at a particular point in your code. And then when all of that translation and, and mutation is done, then you want to be able to send that back to, um, back to, the, to, to the client, right? So it, it, web applications really kind of fit very well into this request-response uh, synchronous flow, right? right. When, when things are asynchronous, it, it introduces a lot of not just complexity, but, but non-determinism. There's a temporal disconnect in, in asynchronous programming between the time that you've made the call to the time that the data from that call will be available. So Ratpack's uh, re reactive uh, construct of a promise is much more than just a, a way to abstract over, uh, over the fact that something asynchronous has happened. Uh, what, it, what it also does is it basically any of the asynchronous calls that you're going to use when they're, when, they're, uh, when they're made in the context of a promise uh, what Ratpack does is it'll it'll serialize those asynchronous events so that as as it goes through and, and handles all of your processing, you know at any given time that a call is going to be made at a certain time, data is going to be available at a certain time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
So that's a uh, that's a very good way. It allows you to program uh, as though you're um, as though you're writing synchronous code, but um, but you know still doing it in an asynchronous way. So the so order a, of the order of the requests and responses is predictable. Exactly. And so when when we talk about integration with uh, things like RxJava, um, things like uh, uh, reactive streams, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, these these are things that under the covers, so even though you're working with an, an RxJava observable, or even though you're working with an RxStreams publisher uh, or, or subscriber or, or any of those other types, um, basically uh, behind the scenes, Rat Pack is gonna translate that into a promise so that, it can, so that it can sequence those asynchronous events for you. So even though, even though you're working with RxJava, you still get the deterministic processing that Rat Pack provides. And, and so that's the kind of thing. Sorry. So you, you don't know when a piece of data or process is going to complete, but you do know that they will come back in the proper order. Uh, no, so you, you, you not only know that the data is going to be available at a specific time, um, but you also know the order in which the calls will be made. How do you, how do you know when the data will be available? I mean, uh, how, do you, how do you know it'll be available at a specific time? Because we're, we're sequencing the asynchronous events, which means that you, you've made some asynchronous call, you've subscribed to get that data, it's not gonna move on to the next asynchronous call until the subscription is properly processed for the, for the prior call. Okay, so that, well, that de definitely keeps them in order. I just thought mm -hmm. you weren't, you never really sure how long it's gonna take a process to complete, that's all. Oh yeah, you, 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 I'm sorry, in, 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 terms of, in terms of the amount of time, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's totally, there are a lot of factors, obviously, that go into that. Right. Um, but that is a benefit, though, that to be able to predict that uh, if you made the calls A, B, C, and D, they'll come back in responses in order A, B, C, and D. That's one of the real complexities, as you say, of, of asynchronous programming. Right. Now, when you, when you were talking about Spring, Spring, uh, your initial impression was that Spring did not have that sort of support, and yet the responses you got seemed to change your mind about it. What, what did you learn about the Spring implementation that you didn't know earlier? Uh, a bunch of things. Um, and <laughs> I, will, I will say I was, I, was a little, I was a little quick to the tweet button uh, when I was going through and looking at this stuff. I should have I dug a little bit deeper. Um, that, I did publish for, right? I, I did publish a blog post later to kind of clear up my, my thread on Twitter um, a little bit better. Uh, so, uh, so initially when I started looking at it, uh, it looked like the, the web side of things. So uh, going, taking a step back, we, we already talked a little bit about Reactor. So Reactor is the mechanism uh, under the covers that is powering all of the reactive uh, concepts in, in Spring 5. Reactor is phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's a really great library. It's very high performance. Uh, it's really far along. It's, it's been developed for a number of years by uh, an incredibly uh, talented group of uh, developers who know way more about this shit than I'll ever know. Um, but, uh, but that's the underpinning to Spring 5's reactive support. Um, so initially when I was looking at the code, what, what looked to, it, it looked to me like what they were doing was just putting servlets on top of this stuff and then, um, and then adapting uh, reactive programming uh, concepts around uh, that, that typical thread per request, thread per connection, um, servlet API model, that, that way of doing things. Um, and that's, that's in, in my opinion, that's pointless. It's pointless because, um, because you're not getting any of the benefits of uh, non-blocking. You're not getting any of the efficiencies of, of an event loop under the hood. Um, even though Reactor would, will still have, you know, that idea um, behind the scenes, uh, you're, you're still, basically, you're still limited by, by servlet API. Um, that was one of the big problems that I had when I first looked because I, I didn't see where they were using NIO or where they were using, um, uh, you know, other, other async stuff at the networking layer that would, that would make it actually worthwhile to have uh, reactive programming on top of it. Um, Rawson, uh, who's a core developer on Spring, he was really quick to point out that they're not just using servlets, um, but it but it was it was really decoupled. So I'm not I'm not super familiar with the uh, Spring framework code base, um, and that was kind of a, a a part of my confusion was 
uh, in looking at the Spring Web Reactive stuff, um, I didn't see anything about using NIO or using other other uh, async um, servlet container or uh, you know anything like that uh, under the covers. All I saw was the adapter to servlets, and I jumped to the conclusion that that was what they were doing. Um, they have the capability to do that, but by default they use Netty, which is really great um, because that will give them all the high performance networking. And then they put basically what they're what they're allowing you to do is continue to build controllers uh, in the way that you normally would uh, spring controllers. Uh, and then uh, you would just respond with a flux type or a monotype, depending on uh, whether you have a collection of data that you're responding with or uh, a, an individual piece of data. Um, and then that will go through the whole process of, of uh, sending that back as a response to, um, to the caller. But that's really cool because folks who are already familiar with the Spring programming model and building Spring controllers uh, and all that kind of stuff, they don't have to change the way that they're doing things necessarily, right? They need to become familiar with these reactive types, um, but they don't need to do much more than that. That, so that's benefit number one, is the programming model doesn't change for, for folks who are already into it. Benefit number two is that they are targeting a real wide range of, uh, of, of underlying um, runtime. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, basically, they're saying, we, we, you know, we're going to support Tomcat. We're going to support, uh, basically, we're going to support anything that will do uh, any kind of servlet API. If you're using servlet API 3.1 plus, we'll use the async features right out of the box. If you don't want to use servlets at all, you don't have to, and none of your stuff needs to change, and we're going to throw Netty under the covers. And meanwhile, none of your stuff necessarily has to change, right? If you're just building an application that has controllers, um, and and services and uh, you know the views that you like stuff like that none of that stuff needs to change you can swap out the underpinnings at any time so why does that matter that matters if you work in an in, in an organization or an environment where you don't necessarily have control over what what is going to underpin your application but you still want to move forward with building these reactive concepts with the idea that like yeah when that when that possibility opens uh, that yeah, you're going to switch over to use NIO. You're going to switch over to use Netty, and you're you're automatically going to benefit from uh, all the performance characteristics characteristics that you get out of that without having to switch any of your actual code over. So that's that's a really neat thing. That's amazing if it works out that way. Uh, I did I, I did I was under the impression that you couldn't just take a Spring MVC app and suddenly make it reactive. It it is going to take a little bit more thought than that. Uh, but if you, if as you say, you can plan for the future for that sort of thing, then, yeah, then you get all the benefits as soon as they switch to uh, Netty or some other cloud-based architecture as well. Right. Now, how about Grails? Now, Grails has done an enormous amount of work in order to make it easy to build RESTful web services. Right. And this is uh, very popular these days. Uh, I know that Graham once gave Graham Roche gave a presentation where he talked about not just the RESTful web services, but also the uh, async capabilities inside of Grails. I don't know how often that's being used. Is that related to any of the stuff you're talking about, or have they added something in addition for uh, reactive streams? Yeah. So, I, I I guess I guess what I'll say is like the the big problem uh, that I have with with all all of these things that are going on is that they're all traveling in orthogonal directions, right? They're all oh. kind of going down their own, their own paths um, without without ever uh, converging on one another. So in in um, in Rat Pack, like I said, we have support for Spring Boot, right? Um, but we don't we 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 haven't been involved, and and probably at some fault to to me and uh, others um, involved in the project, we haven't been involved in in the Spring Five reactive stuff at all. Um, which would be some, which would be a really nice integration in Rat Pack um, to uh, to 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 further make uh, both Spring and Rat Pack better in the long run. Um, as far as I know, uh, uh, Grails, which which has Spring under the covers, um, right. ha they also don't have any uh, involvement uh, necessarily with the um, with the stuff going on in Spring Five. Um, so they're they're building out their own structure for reactive async uh, programming, um, and you know these these are these are things that are there are we're we're all kind of in the same corner of the ecosystem, and to be doing the same work 
many different ways. It 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 seems um, it seems a little silly, <laughs> in my opinion, especially because something like the 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 work that they're doing in in Spring Five would be something that you know, you know would would be an immediate benefit to to a lot of different projects that um, that sit on top of it. And my my hope is that as this stuff evolves and as um, Spring Five continues to uh, set out uh, release candidates and um, uh, can continue to get to a point where it's it's uh, it, it, it's ready for a final release. Um, that you know maybe maybe we'll all converge uh, on a on a common path with one another and and make sure that we and 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 by that I don't necessarily mean that we we need to stop programming and wait for the Spring Five guys to be done, but be be cognizant of the fact that that these things are being done. And and make sure that we have an adaptation layer, um, so that, for example, Rat Pack can cleanly integrate with with uh, Spring Five, Spring Spring Boot that gets built on Spring Five can cleanly integrate with Rat Pack. Um, Grails uh, can can make sure that their async support, um, you know, cleanly gets into uh, Reactor, uh, and and vice versa. All that kind of stuff, right? That's that's the direction that I want things to go. I I, I want us to all be on the same page. Um, and and for for a lot of the conversation on uh, reactive programming, it, it really was on the and and had been on the same page for for a real long time, um, because basically there was only RX Java, right? And right. Uh, and and RX Java was kind of leading in the field, and and you know if basically if you were building anything um, reactive in Java, there was a really high chance, and there still is today, uh, that you're going to be using RX Java, right? So. In terms of compatibility or adaptation layers, like none of that really matters. Um, but that's kind of what Reactive Streams is all about, right? Is having a standardized API that uh, many different Reactive libraries can can integrate with to make sure that we can do that kind of stuff. I can tell you today, Ratpack and Spring Five, they're going to integrate cleanly with one another, which is great um, because we both implement that uh, Reactive Streams uh, uh, API. Now, back to your original question, um, which was uh, with Grails. I, I think it's you know Grails has had async support for a real long time, right? Um, and for a while, they had their own concept of a promise. I'm not sure if it's there, or if it's gone, um, but a lot of the new stuff is moving to uh, RX Java, which is really cool. So they have support in GORM now for RX Java. Um, uh, I, I talked to Graham at GreatConf. He was talking about um, building out a, a, a profile for Grails 3 that was uh, based on Netty, uh, which is really cool. Um, so so I'll, I'll take a step back. Um, as part of all this work with Spring 5, one of the really neat things that they're doing and have done is decoupled from the servlet API for all their stuff, right? And this this allows them to do things like say yeah we're not going to build on a servlet container we're we're still going to have these these um, things like uh, controllers and you know services and views and all that kind of stuff that that you're familiar with but uh, we're going to put another abstraction layer there that we can adapt the servlet API onto but will also allow us to use things like uh, Netty channels and Netty pipelines and stuff like that. Um, this was something that Grails had done as part of Grails three uh, maybe. Maybe even a little bit before that. I'm I'm not 100% sure on the timeline, but they're totally decoupled from uh, the servlet API, which means that that there can be a Grails uh, profile um, that builds on you know other things like Netty or like Ratpack or like VertX or you know like your custom homegrown web application container, whatever it might be, you know, uh, and that's really neat. But so that means that. That means that the path is really easy for Grails to uh, get to uh, being able to use RX Java in your controllers as part of GORM um, in in your services wherever you want to throughout your app. So it's it's really it's really nice to see uh, that that evolution taking place, and uh, uh, eventually, it's my belief that uh, they'll also have uh, non-blocking networking possibilities as as a result of this, and um, you know, you'll you'll have screaming fast uh, Grails apps. Well, when when you look at the history of Grails, now I, I don't know the plans of the Grails core team. I, I assume these things are evolving all the time. But if you look at his at Grails in the past, 
they have traditionally built their own mechanisms when spring wasn't ready yet, when they didn't already have something available, they would build whatever they needed, or even not spring. I mean, the whole use of Gantt, you know, before Gradle was ready for prime time, if you will, as right. just an example. And since, as you as you remind everybody, you know, Grails is built on top of Spring Boot and therefore on top of the Spring Core itself, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they're very aware of all these developments in Spring and whenever they plan to version Grails to use Spring 5, they'll probably be planning to take advantage of whatever Spring 5 incorporates. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I imagine you're right. I mean, it, it's probably a question right now of people going down parallel paths mostly so they can learn what the right costs and benefits are and to learn how to use these various APIs, and then they'll all decide, okay, let's build something we can integrate together, and which turns out to be very successful. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Now, of course, the biggest thing to come out of Grails is that this week they – went uh, 3.2 became final. And in fact, I think that was Wednesday. I mean, just like uh, the day before yesterday or something. And one of the biggest features of the 3.2 release was the so-called RX GORM, you know, the ability to do reactive with GORM. Now, that's only with, uh, what do you call it, uh, NoSQL databases. You can't do that with a relational database, apparently. They don't have the extensions. Although you did mention Couchbase earlier. Is there anything you can say about that? Um, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know too much, uh, about Couchbase. Uh, I've, I've never used it. Um, but I do know that they are, you know, they, they have, they have reactive, uh, programming extensions in their, uh, SDK. Um, so it, it comes to the various databases have to provide a, a reactive, uh, have provide reactive support themselves. And then the Rx Java can integrate with it, or is it something at a higher layer than that? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, they wouldn't necessarily have to, um, but it, it does get tricky when you're trying to work with uh, synchronous APIs, like, for example, JDBC, um, mm. and, and say that you, you know, want to be uh, do, doing, doing that, but, but saying that, you know, the rest of the infrastructure is going to be async, uh, but then we still have this, this blocking call. Um, right. So, like, in, in RatPack, we... Uh, we've put a lot of thought into that, and and we provide um, a a blocking type of promise that will schedule any of the synchronous work that you need to do off onto an I/O thread pool, um, and then you know safely and and cleanly return it to um, uh, to your main event loop for further processing. Um, but there, there's a lot of complexity in doing that. So sometimes sometimes it's just better to wait for any of the vendors to provide, you know, a, a, a library that, <laughs> that is non-blocking, that is sure. using, you know, uh, so, so Couchbase, for example, their, their, uh, their library um, uh, provides, uh, I, I believe, NIO support uh, via Netty, uh, but then also their, their APIs are able to be translated to RxJava um, observable types. I think the example that I saw Graham do at uh, GreatConf in uh, Copenhagen was using Mongo, uh, so that yeah. there was already Rx Java-based support for that, and he was able to incorporate it without any trouble. And um, it may, who knows, further the use of uh, non or NoSQL databases if that's helpful, or or we'll see. Uh, I noticed that in Java 8, as people transition to that, and by the way, that's another thing that's helping Ratpack, because Ratpack was one of the first APIs, first major projects I knew about that mandated Java 8 as a minimum JDK uh, yep. for a whole bunch of good reasons, but it was required, and the adoption of Java 8 seems to be really picking up steam at this point, so that's no longer uh, keeping people out, if you will. Uh, but yeah. at any rate, one of the things that I've noticed as people adopt Java 8 is that they're surprised that there's no database support anywhere in in the uh, Java 8 API. You know, in other words, JDBC is the same JDBC we've had forever. Even JPA doesn't really buy you anything with the new Java 8 constructs until you already have your collection of objects and then can use the whole stream API at that point. Oh, I know sure. there's libraries for this, but I imagine this is something that's going to be an active area of research in the future as well. Yeah, I think uh, with Java, Java 1 was, like you said, just uh, a couple weeks ago. 
Um, and they, they were talking about it as part of um, Java 9 having a non-blocking um, right. JDBC support, which, which will but be that, huge. That would be enormous, but that may be a while. So, I mean, it's yeah. uh, a lot of people are, I mean, the adoption of Java 8 is moving along, but yeah. I would be surprised if it was more than half the industry at this point. I mean, we still got a long way to go, and there's a lot of companies who are very uh, slow, reluctant to pick that up. Uh, so we I, do have to kind of, I'm sorry, you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say one more thing. I, I, I don't know for 100% sure, but I believe that Spring 5 is also minimum JDK 8. Yes, I think you're right about that. That's uh, again, that's that's going to work out well in terms of timing because as the adoption of Java eight keeps picking up, then Spring five, which I believe is scheduled to be released at the end of this year, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure either at the end of this year or beginning of next year, but it's uh, it's on that schedule, I believe. Uh, that will again push more and more companies in the industry to upgrade to Java eight anyway and take advantage of the new programming model and the streams and the uh, co and the concurrent collections and all those different things that are that are a part of it. Yeah, um, one, one thing I'll say okay. about that. Uh, one one thing I'll say about that is uh, the milestones for Spring Five are out today. Um, mm. So don't don't wait for it to be final. You know, start playing with it today. Get your feedback in. Uh, you know, make make sure that your stuff works because, you know, they publish the milestones for a reason to to let you get exposure and and get your input in and make sure that the uh, the final release is going to work for you. So if you're a Spring user and you uh, you're you're hoping to move to Spring five, start playing with it today. Well, uh, I also we do have to kind of bring this pretty much to a close. Uh, I I'm looking forward to all these changes. This is one of those trends in the industry that really seems to be, you know, leading to rapid adoption and a lot of people are really digging into it. And it's really great that a, a, a tool like Radpack is is ahead of the curve on this and may even provide a nice mechanism for people to learn all this stuff. Not to mention the fact that with the additional Groovy support, it'll encourage more people to pick up Groovy as they go along. Uh, yep. But I, I guess it by way of, of finishing things up, this you do have one opportunity here to give Craig Burke or, or even Kyle Boone a hard time about something. Uh, is there anything you want to say to them or about them or whatever that uh, occurs to you at this point? Oh, man. I, I should have pre-planned for this. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, honestly. Craig was the creator of the entire Unfollow Dan Veloper movement, right? I know. I know. Yeah, and Kyle Boone has uh, takes every opportunity possible to remind everybody of that and to try to push that along. Uh, I'm afraid that I have been in the unenviable position of, of, well, not necessarily fighting back against it, but I keep bringing you on podcasts and mentioning your stuff and therefore encouraging people to follow you. And yeah. I'm not sure that's a, a long-term good thing. I just thought I'd give you a chance to, uh, to, to fight back if you had anything to say about them. One thing I will say is that I, I was talking to Craig the other day uh, in, in private message, and he admitted to me that he actually really likes Dane Cook's uh, comedy. <laughs> he, he actually called him an artist. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay, well, there'll be a reaction to that, no question. <laughs> well, um, by the way, just one last thing. Uh, what do you... Are you working on anything now that gives you a chance to use some of these things? Are you doing anything interesting these days that you can talk about? Um, I, what I will say is I, I, I have uh, several um, Rat Pack apps in production or some form of it. Uh, I mostly work on um, uh, DevOps style tooling uh, for uh, basically for enabling things like continuous delivery, continuous deployment, um, managing cloud footprints, stuff like that. And a lot of, a lot of stuff in the cloud is, is really amenable to uh, asynchronous uh, style things. Um, so for, for building that kind of stuff, Rapack is a really great fit, um, you know, because it's, it's able to tie all that stuff together into a really nice uh, flow and, and programming model. So. Well, that's great. I, I'm glad to hear you're getting a chance to actually put it into practice and then learn whatever uh, ramifications that might come of that will, you know, will come up and then take advantage of it in the future. Uh, I yeah. imagine you will have more things to say 
as you gain more experience and as some projects complete. I look forward to hearing about it. I, I really appreciate your, your taking the time to, to talk about these topics with everybody. And, and definitely you're a friend of, of the Groovy Podcast. We hope to see you here on a frequent basis. Great. Great. So thanks a lot and, and take care. Thanks again. Thank you.